0: According to St. Matthew from the 18th chapter, glory to you, O Lord. The Gospel reading this morning is taken from the book of St. Matthew, chapter 18, verses 21 through 35, and can be found on page 1527 in the Pew Bible. Matthew 18 21 through 35. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered him, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy times times seven, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children And all that he had be sold to repay their debt. And at this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. Now the servant's master took pity on him, and he canceled the debt, and he let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. And he grabbed him and he began to choke him and he said, pay back what you owe me. He demanded it. His fellow servant fell to his knees and he begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it all back. But he refused and instead he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Now when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and they went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Would you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts Be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. The uh, mathematics of Christ, they're not equal to the mathematics of this world. It is far greater than that the mathematics of God. It's not common core, it's uncommon Lord who gives us his numbers, the equations that he and the rest of the Trinity, only they can solve. Now here's, a, here's an example of that. Get your pencil ready. The Father is 100% God. The Son is 100% God. The Holy Spirit is 100% God. So how much God do you have then? Well, you have 100% God. And here's another example. Christ is 100% true God, and a hundred percent true man. How much Christ do you have? hundred percent. You see Christ's math is well it's above our heads and it doesn't make sense to us. As the ancient Greek philosophers would say the finite cannot comprehend or even contain the infinite. This is why we accept it on a, on a basis of faith. Faith in Christ that the Holy Spirit has given to us. Here's another question. What is 70 times 7? In light of our text... The answer is infinity. What? Are you saying 70 times 7 is not 490, Pastor? I know you're about as sharp as a marble, some might say, but um, I'm here to tell you, no, not today. It's not 490. Not today. Not here. In this story, not a chance It's infinity. And that's not the answer that Peter wanted to hear. You see, he asked Jesus the wrong question. It was wrong for him on two reasons. For two reasons it was wrong. It was a question that the Lord had already answered. And it was motivated not by the gospel, but by law. Seven times was the law, according to what Peter thought, or actually it was was more than the law required. But Jesus took what Peter and what you and I and the rest of the world believed to be true and adequate, and he takes it and he dumps it out, and he shows a different math. Peter betrayed himself. By the very nature of this question, he showed he did not have the mind of Christ, but he had a mind of legalism. He wanted to know what the minimum requirements were to do right by God. Oh, how very much like us. It would be like a student in a confirmation class asking the pastor, how little do I have to do in order to be confirmed? The student doesn't like the pastor's answer, and Peter didn't either, either. The disciple doesn't like the Lord's answer. And the Lord calls Peter and us to a much higher standard. He says, This be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am perfect. He says, I do not say to you, Forgive your brother seven times, but 70 times 7. It's easy to count to 7. It's harder to count to 490. And that's the point. The point is keep forgiving until you can't keep track anymore. And then keep forgiving. Why should I even bother? You might ask, I might ask. Why, why should I even bother? Well, it's exactly what God has been doing for you forgiving you over and over and over again. Because you have, I have sinned over and over again and again. And we have needed to repent over and over and over again, more times than you can count, more times than you can remember. You know that in preparation this morning for the divine service, we are brought to remember First John. 1 John 1, 8 through 9, where we say, if we see, we have no sin. And then we confess together, most merciful God. We confess that we are sinful and unclean. So why do we do this? Well, the psalmist notes this. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, keep track of iniquities, who could stand? If the Lord kept record of your sins and he counted them against you, you wouldn't stand a chance of being forgiven. No chance of being saved. That is why we confess our sins. This morning and every morning this is why you will pray the lord's prayer in a few minutes keeping in mind its fifth its fifth petition petition and that is and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us so why do we focus on this petition today Well, it squares with our lectionary text, especially well. And it also squares with what Luther teaches us through his um, small catechism. We pray in this petition that our Father in heaven would not look at our sins or deny prayer because of them. We are neither worthy of the things for which we pray nor Are we deserving of them? But we ask, we ask that he would give them all to us by grace, for we daily sin much and surely deserve nothing but punishment. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? Indeed, who could stand before him? Not you. Not I. No one. You see, we owe God a huge debt for our offenses. A debt that we cannot begin to hope to pay, not even with our very lives, because we have not lived the holy and perfect lives that God demands of us. We are the first servant in the Lord's parable. We are that servant that has been forgiven much and sees someone that owes us, and we demand it back from him right now. And all we can do is beg for God's mercy, and we should Forgive our debt to him. We ask that he would do that for us. And so what do we do with that forgiveness? Do we forgive those who trespass against us? If God is willing to forgive us 70 times 7 times to infinity and beyond, why are we so unwilling to forgive our neighbors even once? let alone seven times. Why are we unwilling to forgive someone who has offended us much less than we ourselves have offended God? We have not loved God with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. If we did, we wouldn't Withhold forgiveness from those who actually sinned against us, or even those who may have simply offended us or merely inconvenienced us. For example, somebody says something that makes us uncomfortable, someone else cuts us off in traffic or on the highway, we get mad. We don't want to hear an apology. We want God to send that person straight to hell. Then there's actual sins. Actual, really bad sins. Sins that break the Ten Commandments. And those are the sins that have us reeling, seething, frothing at the mouth, and unwilling or unable For a time to forgive. Those are the types of things like children disobeying their parents, or aborting a baby, or denying life support to the terminally ill, or neglecting our parents after we put them in a nursing home, or one spouse cheating on another, or taking something that doesn't belong to you because you want it and you don't think the other person should have it, or spreading rumors and telling lies about someone. God says we should forgive others when they sin against us, but the devil has us digging in our heels, not willing to forgive and not wanting to forget. Contrary to what God demands and what Luther teaches, we don't want to sincerely forgive and gladly do good to those who sin against us. We want heads to roll. We want vengeance. But the Lord, the Lord reserves that exclusively for himself. He will execute vengeance. And yet we still want blood. So God sees us. God sees us in our pathetic state. And he says, okay. Okay. You want blood? You want to shed some blood? You got it. But it isn't the blood of our enemies or those who have sinned against us. It's the blood of his one and only Son, Jesus, who was bloodied and dead on that cross to take the sin of the world upon himself. That's including your sins including my sins. You want blood? He already gave it. He was crucified and killed to make the payment for us and for all people. He was a gift that was cherished and craved by those who believe in Jesus as Savior and Lord. He's the gift for you. What was the first thing? Do you remember what was the first thing that Jesus said as he was being crucified? Here's Here's a hint. It wasn't, ow, ow, ow! The first thing he said, at least the Bible tells us, is that he prayed, Father, forgive them. He asked his Father in heaven to forgive those who condemned him to death, to forgive those who nailed him to the cross, and for those whose sins put him on the cross. He asked the Father to forgive you. He asked the Father to forgive me. He asked the Father for the life of the world. You see, Jesus made us holy by taking the wicked servant, by being the wicked servant in our place. He wasn't wicked, but he took the punishment reserved for that wicked servant. He delivered, or he was delivered to the jailers who arrested him and the soldiers who beat and crucified him. To paraphrase the words of the prophet Micah, God has given his firstborn for our transgressions, and Christ has given his body and blood for the sin of our soul. Christ died for you. He was paying your entire debt to God completely. Your slate is wiped clean. You are forgiven. As the psalmist says of God in the 130th Psalm, With you there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. Psalm 130, verse 4. God our Father has declared you forgiven for his Son's sake. For he has seen you covered by Jesus' blood. And when God forgives you, he forgets your sin. He says, I will forgive your iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. That's Jeremiah 31, verse 34. Now, the devil may want to, well, he may want you to remember your sins. And he may want you um, to remember those committed against you. But... The devil's been defeated. He's been defeated once and for all. His accusations and his lies have been exposed. The same Jesus who said from the cross, Father, forgive them, is also the same Jesus that said, it is finished. And that means that It is finished. Satan has lost the war. It is finished. We tremble not. We fear no ill. He shall not overpower us. It is finished. He can harm us. None. It is finished. Satan has been judged. The deed is done. Thanks be to God who has given us the victory in Jesus Christ who is risen from the dead and who comes to us in his body and his blood. Not the blood of our enemies. Not the blood of goats or the blood of the... Not the blood of our enemies. Not the blood of goats, but the blood of the Lamb that takes the sin of the world. His blood that was given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. His blood that causes you moved by the Holy Spirit to be God's forgiven children. His blood gave you the power to be called children of the living God. Now, since we've been given this We should share God's love for each other in Christ. We should forgive those who sin against us. And we should look to the Lord to aid us to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with God. And remember this, he who began this good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. And finally, he who calls you, he who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. Lord, grant this in Jesus' name, for his sake, amen. In the name of Jesus, amen.